Luke 11, verse 1 through 4 will be what we covering tonight. That will be our main text. And I want to talk tonight about learning to pray with Jesus. Learning to pray with Jesus. If you were to take a survey of Christians and of churches and were to ask them what is the greatest need of the church today, you would get many different answers. You would have people say, well, we need more money. You would have people say, well, we need to see more lost people saved. You would have people say, we need to see more power in the church. We need to see more miracles. We need to see greater things happening in the church world today. Some may say you need bigger buildings. You need more programs. You need more ministries. But in my opinion, one of the greatest needs of the church today is for people who know how to pray. To say it this way, we need more prayers. We need more people who know how to get a hold of God. We need more people who can seek God's face in prayer. Because the fact is, everything that I just mentioned previously that people say we need, if you think about it, it's all connected prayer. If you need more provision, if you need more finances in the church, you can see it if you pray. If you need to see a greater harvest of lost people come in and be saved, you can see it if you pray. If you need to see more miracles in the church and see supernatural things in the church and have greater power in the church, you can see it if you pray. You see, the reality is prayer connects us to God. Prayer connects us to heaven and it connects us to everything that He can do. So if we pray, we can see God do everything that we need. You see, as believers, we know prayer is important. We know that praying is to our spiritual life what breathing is to our natural life. But for many of us, and for many believers around the world, it's easier to talk about prayer than it is to actually pray. In fact, it's often easier to get Christians to do almost anything else than it is to get them to pray. And that's a shame, isn't it? Because prayer brings us into the presence of God. Prayer connects us with God. Prayer connects us with heaven and everything that He can do. And yet we fail to pray. Hebrews 4.16 tells us, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can go to God confidently and expectantly and boldly and find grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. We can pray because God answers prayer. We can pray and know that we can be heard and answered. You see, God changes circumstances when we pray. God touches people's lives when we pray. 
In fact, I will submit to you tonight that time spent in prayer is the difference between mediocrity and greatness in the Christian life. Let me say it again. Prayer, time with God, is the difference between mediocrity and greatness in the Christian life. That if we want to be closer to God and be more anointed and be more full of Him, it's going to take prayer. In our passage that we're going to look at tonight in Luke 11, the disciples learned, desired to learn more about prayer. They asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And so Jesus, in response, He gives them a pattern for prayer and He teaches them some lessons concerning prayer. And so tonight I want to give some of those lessons to you concerning how to pray. And Jesus is going to be the teacher And so tonight, we're going to learn to pray with Jesus. We're going to go to school about prayer, and Jesus is going to be the teacher. So here's the first point I want to give you tonight. The prayer life of Jesus should motivate us to have a prayer life of our own. The prayer life of Jesus should motivate us to have a prayer life of our own. We find this in verse number 1 of Luke 11. It says, Now it came to pass as he was praying, and that he there refers to Jesus, that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Luke's gospel, it's been called the gospel of prayer. In Luke's gospel, you find many places, many instances where Jesus was praying. We see that he prayed at his baptism in chapter 3, verse 21. He prayed during the time of temptation in chapter 5, verse 16. According to Luke 6, 12, he continued all night in prayer. According to chapter 9, verse 18, he was alone praying. In chapter 9, verse 28, Jesus went up into a mountain to pray. And here in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, we see that Jesus was praying in a certain You see, Jesus had a habit of spending time in prayer. And if Jesus had to depend on prayer, then how much more do you and I need to pray? Now think about that. If Jesus had to pray as He lived His life on this earth, then how much more do you and I need to spend in prayer? In fact, as you look at the prayer life of Jesus, it shows us that He faced every situation in His life with prayer. Before He chose His disciples... He prayed. Before He went to the cross, He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, not my will, but Thy will be done. Everything that He, that he did in life, He did it uh, surrounded and connected to prayer. You see, prayer was His source of strength and power. You see, we sometimes think that because Jesus was the Son of God, He came and He walked on this earth, and He did everything because of His divinity. That's not so. He was 100% God, but He was 100% man, and He depended on the power of the Holy Spirit, and He had power because He spent time in prayer. He was a man of prayer. You see, Jesus is our example. We're to pattern our lives after Him. And if He was a man that spent time in prayer, then you and I need to be people who know how to pray. 1 John 2.6 tells us this. It says, Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. 
In other words, if we say we abide in Him, we're to walk as He walked. And so if Jesus was a man committed to prayer, and we're supposed to follow Him, live like Him, be like Him, we should be men and women who devote ourselves to prayer. I believe if prayer was important to Him, prayer should be important to us. If he thought spending time alone with God was necessary, then we should see spending time with the Father as necessary. Here in verse 1, the disciples, they see Jesus praying, they hear him praying, and they had a desire to pray just as he prayed. Now here's the thing, we don't have the advantage that the disciples did of seeing Jesus pray and hearing him pray. I can just imagine what it would have been like to hear him pray, but we don't have that advantage but the Bible is very clear and the Bible is very plain that Jesus spent time in prayer and that should motivate us to imitate his example he had a prayer life in fact verse 1 says that he was praying in a certain place that he had a place that he could go and spend time with God in fact the gospels tell us that he often would go into lonely places secluded places and he'd get up in the mountains and he would pray he'd get along with God in fact in Matthew 6 when he teaches uh, the passage we're going to read here in a few moments again he says when you pray go into your secret place go into the closet and pray to your father in secret His prayer life should stir us and create a desire within us to want to pray. Prayer was a priority for Him. So I ask you tonight, and I ask myself tonight, is is prayer a priority for us? I've said before that many times prayer is often a last resort for some of us. We only use it when we need it. We only use it when we're in trouble. It's like a spare tire. We only bring it out when we're in trouble. But the prayer life of Jesus should motivate us to have a prayer life of our own. That means you have to learn how to pray even when things are good. Amen? Don't just pray when the wheels start coming off of your life. But learn how to pray when things are good. Learn how to pray when things are going fine in your life, going well in your life. Because here's the thing, thanksgiving is a part of prayer. Being worshipful is a part of prayer. But here's the thing, most of our prayer lives, it's all about asking. God, I need this. God, I need that. God, bless me now. And and God, come through. And that's the only time God ever hears from us. Prayer's more than that. In fact, when you look at the prayer life of Jesus, you'll find out that many times before He fed the 5,000, before He broke the bread and gave it to the disciples, the Bible says He looked up to heaven and He blessed it. How's your prayer life? Do you have one? I'm not saying you got to spend an hour every day. But do you talk with God on a regular basis? If not, I challenge you to begin spending time with God. See it as necessary. See it as a priority. Make it a priority. Because Jesus made it a priority.
But here's the second main point I want to give you tonight. We can learn to pray as Jesus taught His disciples. We can learn to pray as Jesus taught His disciples. Isn't that what they asked? Lord, teach us to pray. And notice that they didn't ask Him to teach them how to preach. They didn't say, teach us to do great signs. They didn't say, Jesus, teach us to work miracles. They didn't say, teach us how to raise the dead. They didn't say, teach us to cast out demons. They said, teach us to pray. They wanted to know how to pray as He prayed. They understood that the power that He had came from His intimacy and closeness with the Father. They understood that He was able to do what He did because He prayed. And they wanted that same power in their life. And so they said, teach us to pray. You see, here's the thing. Jesus tells us that those who believe in Him would do the same things He did and even greater. But I believe that if we're going to do greater things than He did, we've got to learn how to pray like He prayed. I like what John Bunyan said. He said this, and I quote, You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. End of quote. Let me read it again. You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. So true. Prayer enables us to do what God's called us to do. Prayer enables us to live the life that God wants us to live. You want to know so many times why we're so weak and so powerless and so anemic? It's because we failed to pray. So here's the question. How do we learn to pray like Jesus taught His disciples? We see it in verses 2 through 4. He said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This prayer is often called the Lord's Prayer. Some refer to it as the disciples' prayer, but it's really the model prayer. And there are several elements here of successful praying that Jesus begins to mention. And I want to say something about this prayer, that this isn't a prayer that we're supposed to pray repetitiously. In fact, Matthew chapter 6, he warns against vain repetition. He warns against long praying. He warns against praying the same thing over and over and over again, thinking that you're going to be heard for your much speaking. And so this prayer is something that we aren't supposed to recite over and over again. These aren't magical words that we pray like an incantation over and over again. This is simply a model prayer that serves as a framework as we pray. Notice some elements that prayer ought to include. Notice number one, prayer should include a proper direction. How many know it's important who you pray to? Because here's the thing. Do you know pagan people pray? But they don't pray to the right one. In fact, when you go back and read the book of Jonah and the storm begins to blow on the sea, the pagan people on the boat begin to pray. But they prayed to the wrong God. And so it's important who you pray to. 
And notice who Jesus says to pray to. Our Father in heaven. You see, true prayer depends on a relationship with God the Father. And the only way you have a relationship with God the Father is through faith in the Son. You see, prayer only works for those who have a relationship with God the Father. And so if you have faith in Jesus, you are born again. And that means you have the privilege of calling God your Father. Look at Romans 8.15. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We can call Him Abba, Father. In other words, that word Abba there, it's like we can call Him Daddy. We can call Him Papa. That's who He is to us because of our faith in Jesus Christ. You see, because of our faith in Jesus, we've been adopted into the family of God and now we can call God our Father. Think about that. The one who spoke this world into existence, the one who knows the stars by name, the one who causes the sun to rise and the sun to set and causes, and causes the ocean to only come so far. He is our Father. Now here's the thing. Most ancient religions, they couldn't conceive the idea of God being a Father. In fact, the Jews couldn't understand God being Father. And that's the reason they had so many names for God. And they would use those names when they would pray. For instance, if a man had a need, he would call out and pray to Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. If they were anxious or nervous or worrisome, they would call on Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord our peace. If they were lonely or afraid, they might call on Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is there. If they needed leadership and guidance, they would call on Jehovah Rohi, which means the Lord our shepherd. If they were sick and needed healing, they would call on Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord our healer. And the list could go on and on and on for hours, but you get the point. But when Jesus instructed his disciples on how to pray, he said, forget the formulas and forget the complicated names, just call on the Father. You see, I don't have to try to figure out which name of God I need to use when it comes time to pray. I can just run to the Father and cry out to Him. Why? Because my Father is the healer. My Father is the provider. My Father is the peace speaker. My Father is the great I am. My Father is everything that I need. And as His child, I can go to Him and listen, and know that I belong there and He's promised to hear me when I call. Aren't you glad we have a Father? You see, I, I'm an earthly father and there's only so much I can do for my kids. I don't have all the money in the world to give them everything they want. But I have a Heavenly Father who owns it all and can do all. And there is nothing that can overpower Him or overthrow Him. So whatever I go through, whatever you go through, you can call on the Father. And He'll hear you and He'll answer you. And He will come through for you time and time and time again. You see, we can pray because we have a relationship with Him. You see, prayer is powerful because He's our Father. So we can go boldly to Him. We can go confidently to Him because He's our Father. And before I move on to the next thing, I want you to understand He's a good Father. Amen? He's a good Father. 
But here's the second thing I want you to see about prayer and what it should include. It should include praise and thanksgiving. It should include praise and thanksgiving. He said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That that word hallowed, it means to be set apart. It's letting us know that God and His name is holy, set apart. It's telling us that there's no one else like Him. It's telling us that God is to be honored, that God is to be reverenced, that God is to be worshipped, that God is to be praised. You see, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to talking to God, we should always take time to worship God. We should always take time to praise Him. You see, as believers, as people of God, we are to be a thankful people. Colossians 4.2 tells us this, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. He says, pray and be thankful. Isn't that what he says? Continue in prayer and be, notice it, be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Philippians 4.6 Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. With thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. Thanksgiving should be a part of our praying. But how much thanking do we do? Let me ask you, do you do more complaining? In your praying or thanksgiving in your praying. Number three, there should be a concern for God's kingdom when it comes to prayer. Jesus said, Your kingdom come. That means when we pray, we should pray for the furtherance of God's work and God's glory. We should want His kingdom to be expanded. We should want His kingdom to go forth. That means we we should spend time for praying for the church. We should spend time praying for the saints. We should spend time praying for the lost. One commentator said this, to say your kingdom come is to pray that more and more people will enter the kingdom. There's also a petition for all evil to be destroyed and for God to establish a new heaven and earth, thereby revealing His glory to all nations. You see, one day, this prayer is going to be answered. Your kingdom come. His kingdom is coming. But while we wait on it to appear, we need to be praying, God, your kingdom come and help us to extend your kingdom. We want more and more people to come into the kingdom. When Jesus showed up, what did he preach? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What did John the Baptist preach? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You see, as believers, we should be more concerned about God's kingdom than our kingdom. But we aren't. You see, we've got to learn to resist the tendency to promote ourselves and instead put God's name and God's kingdom first. It's all about Him, not us. Number four, pray for God's will. Pray for God's will. Jesus said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Someone once said the purpose of prayer isn't to get our will done on in heaven, but to get God's will done on earth. You see, prayer isn't telling God what we want and then selfishly enjoying it. 
Prayer is asking God to use us to accomplish what He wants so that His name is glorified, His kingdom is extended, and His will is done. See, James tells us that our prayers often go unanswered because we, we pray with the wrong, wrong motives. James 4, 3 says this, Even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You see, for our praying to be effective, it has to line up with the will of God. 1 John 5, 14, 15 tells us, This is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of Him. You see, when our praying lines up with the will of God, we can be certain that God will hear and answer. And you may be wondering, how do I know the will of God? You know the will of God from the Word of God. When you know what this book says, you know what God wants, and you can pray accordingly. So I ask you, before I move to the next point, whose will do you really want? Do you want your will or do you want God's will? If you listen to your praying, you'll find out whose will you want. The next time you get down to pray and talk to God, listen to what comes out of your mouth and what you're requesting, and you'll find out whose will you want. Of what you're praying for. If you're always praying about your stuff and you being blessed and you needing more and you never call anybody else's name and you never talk about anybody lost needing to be saved you're not concerned about God's kingdom and there's a place for our needs being met but here's what I know according to Matthew 6 33 seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you could it be that if we sought the kingdom of God first, you wouldn't have to spend so much time praying about what you needed? That if you got involved in God's business, God would take care of yours. God would take care of mine. I believe He would. That if we got concerned about what concerned Him, He'd take care of us. And we wouldn't have to ask because He knows what we need before we ever ask but if we begin to pray God I want to see your kingdom and your will done on this earth as it is in heaven and we begin to pray about lost people and God use us to be laborers so that we can reach the harvest and God help my heart break over people that don't know you and God give me the words to say to the people I come in contact with and God open doors everywhere I go so that I can minister to them and God use me and let my light shine so that people can glorify you you begin to pray that way and watch what God begins to do. And we might start seeing unexpected blessings pop up in our life, things that we didn't even ask for, because now we're being kingdom-minded. I want us to be more kingdom-minded as a church, because we're not citizens of this world, and we don't operate like this world does. But we've gotten so accustomed to this world that we operate like it does. And we've got to change that before Jesus comes back. We've got to start operating more like Him and more like the kingdom. Amen.
Because things are totally upside down in the kingdom. He said, if you want to go up, you've got to start by going low and be servant. Humble yourself. But in this world, it's, it's dog eat dog. You lie, cheat, steal, climb over everybody, do what you can. And in the kingdom, you humble yourself and you serve. Look at the next thing that prayer you should include in prayer. Give Him my request. So there is a place for our needs when we pray. But notice what came first. God's kingdom. God's will. That's what came first. In other words, before we start asking for ourselves, we've got to be concerned with what God wants. But there is a place to bring our needs to God in prayer. Notice that He said, Give us day by day our daily bread. That phrase day by day can also be translated, give us for the day our daily bread. Notice it's daily bread. It's not a warehouse of bread, not a storehouse of bread. It's not something to lay up and hold on to. Simply praying for what's necessary for existence is what Jesus is teaching. Praying for what you need to get by on from day to day. That's not how we want to live, is it? We want security. We want retirement. We want to know our future is taken care of. Jesus says, when you pray, give us day by day our day. See, this prayer is for our needs, not our wants. This prayer is for our needs, not our greed. You see, as believers, we're to live in daily dependence on God and acknowledge Him as our source. But if we'll be honest, sometimes we'd we'd have to admit that God has been so good to us that we stop looking. that our job becomes our source. Our retirement becomes our source. Our social security, whatever it may be, becomes our source because God has abundantly blessed us. But can you remember back when a time when you weren't so blessed and you had to pray, God, help me make it this month. What if you had to go back and do it again? Some of you might say, God would never take me there. Don't speak so soon because if you begin to trust too much in what you got, God may, may very well take you back there. In fact, I'll say this. Job was a righteous man one who turned away from evil. Can't find anything wrong with Job, and for some reason God allowed Satan to take everything he had. So don't think that God can't allow the enemy to come and just take everything we got. But here's what I know. 
God will supply our needs. Philippians 4.19 tells us. My God shall supply all your need. Not your wants, not your greed, but He shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You see, this is one of the reasons we need to pray because we have needs. I've got needs. You've got needs. Our needs may be different, but we all have things we need God to do in our life. And so we pray. But number six, let's, let's move on. Prayer should include the confession of personal sin. Jesus said here in these verses, forgive us our sins. When we go to God in prayer, we should be praying, Father, forgive me of my sins. Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. Just as we need daily bread, we need daily forgiveness. You see, the need for for forgiveness, it's real whether you feel it or not. You see, we need daily cleansing whether we realize it or not. And you might be thinking, I don't sin every day. And I would ask you this, are you sure? Because here's the thing, we we think that, well, I'm not out there running around like the world does, but here's the thing, is your attitude always perfect? Day in, day out. Is your thought life absolutely perfect? Day in, day out. Do you always treat other people the way you want to be treated? Day in, day out. Do you always do what this book says? Day in and day out. So before anyone stands up and say, I don't sin every day, I'd be very careful. Now, if you can say that day in, day out, you perfect in thought, perfect in action, perfect in attitude, then you don't need daily forgiveness. But here's the thing, I need daily forgiveness. And I would submit that everyone here needs daily forgiveness. Because it only takes your spouse to come in and say one thing, and you can lose your attitude real quick. And God forbid that a telemarketer calls and you just happen to answer the phone and they'll, 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 man, they'll make you go crazy. That's the reason I don't answer numbers I don't know. Listen to these verses when it comes to this idea of daily forgiveness. Proverbs 20 verse 9. Who can say I have cleansed my heart? I am pure and free from my sin. The way that question is phrased is phrased so that you'll have to answer in a negative way. Nobody can say that. 1 John 1.8 If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. We can't claim to have no sin. We can't claim to be free from sin, pure from sin. And so, as I've already said, I'd be very careful to say I haven't committed any sin. Again, we're not out there running around like the world. We're not out there using profanity. We're not out there smoking and fornicating and all that thing. But God knows our motives. God knows our thoughts. God knows our heart. And daily we need forgiveness. 
When somebody cuts us off in traffic, we want to give them peace of our mind. God knows. We need forgiveness. But 1 John 1, 9 tells us if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness or all wickedness. And here's the thing I know about spending time in prayer that the Holy Ghost, He'll, he'll bring to your mind things you need to confess. In fact, sometimes they'll bring things to your mind that you've done weeks ago. You see, we need to pray because we need forgiveness. But number seven, prayer should include the forgiveness of others. Jesus said, forgive us our sins, but He said, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. You see, because God has forgiven us, we need to forgive others. Because God has been gracious to us, we need to be gracious and forgiving to others. And here's the thing, to remain unforgiving shows that we don't understand how much you've been forgiving. Listen, if you hold a grudge and hold on to bitterness and won't let something go that somebody's done to you, it shows you don't understand how much you've been forgiven by God. Can I just say this to us tonight? What we've done to God because of our sin doesn't compare to what anybody does to us. Our sin put Him on the cross. He was sinless. So he didn't die for His sin. He died for ours. And so nothing that anybody does to us, nothing that anybody says to us compares to what our sin did to Him. And so in prayer, we've got to learn how to let go of grudges. In prayer, we've got to learn how to let go of what people have done to us. You see, through prayer, we've got to learn how to forgive other people regardless of what they've done or regardless of what they said about us. In fact, Jesus hanging on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Stephen, while being stoned to this, said, Father, forgive them. That takes the Holy Spirit's help, doesn't it? But the only way you're going to have that kind of help and that kind of power and ability to forgive is through prayer. Spending time with God. In fact, let me put it to you this way. Forgiving people forgive people. You can write that down. Forgiving people forgive people. If you've been forgiven, you'll forgive. Ephesians 4.32 tells us, Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We're to forgive one another just as Christ has forgiven us. And so we've got to pray because we need to learn to forgive. See, here's what I know about prayer. It may or may not change other people, but it changes me. It changes you when you pray. So prayer helps us to forgive others. Number eight. Prayer should include a plea for guidance and victory. Jesus said, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We know that God doesn't tempt us to do evil. We know that God doesn't lead us to sin. God, God is holy. God is perfect. And James tells us that God doesn't tempt anyone. And so this request that Jesus says here means that we're to pray for God to protect us from temptation and from the evil one. 
In other words, when we pray, we should pray that God will give us strength to overcome temptation and God will give us strength to keep us from falling into sin. We need to pray for spiritual power. We need to pray for spiritual strength so that we won't give in to the traps and tactics of the enemy. You see, we've got the world, the flesh, and the devil trying to come at us from every which angle, wanting us to fall. He's wanting to steal, kill, and destroy. And prayer gives us the power to overcome. And so, we've got to learn how to pray. You see, the reason we give in to temptation is because we fail to pray. Many people who fall into sin over and over again is because they're not praying as they ought to pray. You see, when we fail to pray, we become weak spiritually, we become anemic spiritually, and basically we give the enemy an advantage over us. Matthew 26, 41 says, Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see what he says? He says, Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. You've got to stay praying. See, here's what I know about temptation and about God. God's not going to eliminate temptation from your life. You see, all of us are going to face temptation. Temptation is inevitable. But when we pray, we're better equipped to overcome it. We're better equipped to deal with temptation when it comes and when we're faced with it. But if you've not been spending time in prayer, if you've not been spending time, I'm not going to necessarily say on your knees because you, there, there's no certain posture you have to be in to pray. You can walk and pray. You can stand and pray. You can lay on your face and pray. I'll talk more about this Sunday morning. We're going to be dealing with prayer again Sunday morning, Ephesians 3. But when you pray, it strengthens you. That's, that's one of the things that I'll, I'll, I'll deal with Sunday morning in Ephesians 3, that, that you'll be strengthened in the inner man. You see, a lot of people, they want to be strong on the outside. They want to be strong physically, but they're very weak on the inside. And here's what I want to say to us tonight, and I'll have to repeat myself again Sunday morning, but here's the thing. Never let who you are on the outside be greater than who you are on the inside. Never let who you are on the outside be greater than who you are on the inside. Because at the end of the day, it's what's on the inside that matters. You see, this old fleshly body, it's, it's fading away. But the inner man can be renewed day by day. From glory to glory. Faith to faith. And that comes through prayer. Spending time with God. That's why we can grow older in age but be just as strong spiritually as we've ever been. But it comes through spending time with God. We've got to pray because we're weak when it comes to temptation. In closing, I want us to look at verse 9 through 13 of Luke 11. We'll pick up on some of the end of Jesus' teaching as He begins to talk about persistence. He says, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread 
asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Jesus says, ask, seek, and not. And what he is literally saying there, you've got to ask and keep asking, seek, and keep seeking, knock, and keep on knocking. But he says that when you ask, seek, and knock, he says you'll receive. He says God will answer. He says the door will be open. But here's what I know, and here's what I can promise you. If we do nothing, nothing will happen. If we don't pray, God doesn't answer. Listen to what I'm about to say very carefully. Our need is not just knowing how to pray. Our greatest need is to pray. Because here's the thing, you can know how to pray, but if you don't pray, it doesn't change anything. Amen? Our greatest need is simply to pray and to pray more and more. Jesus told His disciples to pray here in this text. He he gave them a model prayer. As I said, we call it the Lord's Prayer. In the New King James, which I read from the night, it's only 59 words long. And again, we don't recite it over and over. It's simply a model for us to follow. But it's also as though Jesus is saying to them and saying to us, when it comes to prayer, keep it simple. It's a model to follow. 59 words long, 62 words in the King James. I believe Jesus is simply saying here just kind of a lesson behind what He taught is that prayer doesn't have to be complicated. Prayer doesn't have to be long to be effective. I'll say it this way. The only unanswered prayer is the unoffered prayer. James said, you have not because you ask not. The only prayer God won't answer is the prayer you won't pray. God answers prayer. may not be the answer we want, but God answers every prayer His people pray. I believe that. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's wait. But God answers His people's prayers. As I was here earlier before service, before I went and picked up Bill and come back, spending a few minutes in prayer, And I thought to myself, how much has the people of God missed out on because they failed? Wouldn't it be something if we got to heaven and God showed us blessings we could have had, but we didn't receive them because we didn't pray? Souls, well, I don't know that He would show us souls because that would make us weep and there'll be no weeping in heaven. But imagine if He did. Show us people we could have won if we prayed, but we didn't pray. Imagine Him showing us what we could have done if we'd only prayed, but we didn't pray. I don't know that it will go down like that because it would be too heartbreaking. 
but just using it as an illustration, just picture in your mind things that you could have that you don't have because you don't pray. Things that God could do, but you won't ask Him. Things that God could do in this church, but we don't we don't ask Him. Again, it's easier to get Christians to do anything else than pray. I could call people to clean up church on a Saturday and people to come clean up church, but call them to pray on a Monday night or a Tuesday night and they, they won't come. But here's what I know. they got family members that are lost. They want to see saved, but they won't come out to pray. Preacher, you really think it's important to come out and pray together as, as saints? Well, here's the thing. The Holy Ghost showed up on the day of Pentecost when the church was gathered together praying. In Acts chapter 2, around verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, the fellowship, and to prayer. And the Lord added to the church daily them that were being saved in verse 47. So yeah, I, I really think the church getting together praying is important. But everybody else has things they want to do. But we want God to do something. But we want God just to do it. But God says, call to me. And I'll answer. If we believe that God answers prayer, it's time to start praying. Would you stand with me?